Go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Lord, we, we might not know um, how many people in the room needed to hear the message of that song, of your faithfulness, of your healing power, of your saving power. So Lord, I, I pray that those words, those thoughts would, would just linger here today as we would be reminded that, you, Lord, this, this miracle-working God that we read of and we learn of from Scripture is the same God that is at work today in the life of His people in this world. Lord, I pray that would stir us with faith and it would strengthen us as we meditate on this idea of praying continually. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, good morning. Good to see you. We are in the third week, the final week of our uh, series, our study on 21 Days to Childlike Prayer. And so uh, if you've been following along with the book, uh, some of the themes I'm going to be talking about today are familiar with you. If you haven't, that's, that's okay. Um, we still have books available, and it's the type of study that you can do at any time. We're going to continue to have books available so that um, you can study this and grow in this idea of prayer. But this morning, we're going to be looking really at this rhythm or this pattern of life, which is a prayerful life, uh, and this idea of ceaseless prayer. This comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Um, I'm going to let you remain seated since I just had you standing up a minute ago um, for uh, the introduction. So you can remain seated as we read God's Word together, but we're going to look at verse 16, 17, and 18, but really this morning is just verse 17 that we're going to be looking at. So 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. Very simple for us. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read it again. Rejoice always, Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Keying in specifically this morning on verse 17, pray continually. Some of your translations may say, pray without ceasing. What does this mean? I mean, this is a command, okay? What does it mean to pray continually or pray without ceasing? We're going to dig into that a little bit this morning, but we're going to pray again as we do so. Lord, I ask that you would make your word clear, that it would penetrate the depths of our hearts, that you would grant us to be attentive, Lord, and that you would shape us, form us, and help us to be a more prayerful people. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I've got four points I want us to consider this morning related to this idea of ceaseless prayer or continual prayer. What does this look like? What does this mean? And here's the first thing. Praying continually, or ceaseless prayer, reminds us to depend upon our Heavenly Father. 
Praying continually reminds us to depend upon our heavenly Father. The idea here is that of a familial relationship where we acknowledge, we recognize that there is not a time in our lives that we do not need God. If one of the things that's been so clear to me in the book that we've been studying, 21 Days of Childlike Prayer, is that how many times the author notes that prayerlessness is so tied to pride. Why do we not pray with greater regularity? One of the main reasons why we don't is because we are convinced we don't really need God. Well, I'm too busy. I'm too busy to pray. Well, it's because you believe that you will accomplish the tasks that are busying you better with more efficiency and more effectiveness without God so you don't pray. I mean, that's, that's hard for us to receive and hear that, wow, I'm prayerless because I'm proud. But the person who's humble and is recognizing that they need God they will find themselves throughout the course of the day just confessing right there in that moment, God, I need you. So this command to pray continually reminds us that we are depending upon God is our heavenly Father, that he is here to take care of us, that this is the development of a relationship with God, not just something that we do at certain times of the day. So one of the things that we need to note here is that prayer is a disposition of our hearts that are inclined to call upon God at every moment that we feel or we recognize our need before him. It is a heart of fellowship with God throughout the day. So one of the things that reminds us of reminds us of is that prayer continually reminds us of our dependence upon God. Now the second thing that this idea of ceaseless prayer or praying continually does, it demonstrates that prayer is not about religious formality. Let me say that again. Praying continually demonstrates that prayer is not about religious formality. Now, what do I mean by religious formality? Now, things I'm fixing to mention are are not in and of themselves bad things. But I think what can happen is we allow these things to creep into our practices. And we assume if you don't have that, then you're not actually engaged in the action. What, What in the world am I talking about? That's just word soup. What did I just say? Here's an example. Feeling like the only time that you're praying is when your eyes are closed and your head is bowed. That is an example where a good practice, a form, at times has crept into our understanding of prayer and made us think that if my head is not bowed and my eyes are not closed, I'm not praying. And let me give you an example of how I, I like remember this happening. I'm pretty sure, my memory's a little bit fuzzy, I'm pretty sure I was riding with my middle brother, and my middle brother is 17 years older than me, okay? So, like, much, much older. And my oldest brother is 20 years older than me. Um, So, my parents would call me a midlife blessing. Uh, 
my brothers probably said, well, we're not going to get an inheritance. Um, but for what that's worth, uh, my, my middle brother is a pastor, and I can remember growing up and spending time with him. And I can remember us heading somewhere. Maybe it was like a youth event. He was a youth pastor at one time. And he's driving, and I'm riding with him. And he goes, hey, let's pray real quick. And we were still driving. And I was like, you're not going to close your eyes, are you? He was like, no, no, you can close your eyes and pray, but I'll just drive with my eyes open and pray. I was like, well, you're not praying then. But it, one of those things quickly realized, if you're going to obey, pray continually, and you're going to do anything else, you obviously have to do you have to be able to pray continually without being on your knees with your eyes closed and your head bowed. So one of the things that this is teaching us is that it's a rhythm, it's a pattern of our life living in communion, in relationship with God in such a way that it's not just, I only pray when my eyes are closed and my head is bowed. Or when I'm at church or I'm in my small group. Or whenever I'm speaking. You can have a prayer within the context of your heart, where you are voicing your concern before God. Christian prayer is not limited to prescribed hours within the day. But as one scholar put it, it's common and a constant element within our prayer life where we are communing with God throughout the course of the day. So one of, this thing, one of the things that this ought to do is it, it ought to free you in your prayer life to speak with God and to God in a relational manner that doesn't formalize it in such a way that you don't know how to pray. And I think what I mean by that is, is some people go, I don't know how to pray. And if that's you here this morning, I'm, I'm grateful that you are wrestling with that this morning. But, but, but prayer is communion. It's communication and relationship with God. Do you know how to communicate? Do you know how to relate? Well, I, yeah, I do that. I speak to people. Well, speak to God. But what if, I, what if I get it wrong? His grace is so good and so prevalent. Like, no one in here has ever uttered a perfect prayer or uttered a perfect prayer with perfect motives. And yet, God does merciful and amazing things, even through vessels that are times broken. So you're saying, well, I just, I don't, I don't know if I want to pray at small group. What would people think of me? You're not praying to them. You're praying to God. And hey, if you're here judging other people's prayers, do I need to say anything? Come on. We want to be a praying church, a praying people, and part of that's going to mean that it's become such a part of who we are and the nature of our relationships that we haven't formalized prayer in such a way that we feel like it's only what I can do at that time in this position in these different ways. What about those times of of prayer? Am I saying that it's insignificant for us to kneel and pray? No, I'm not saying that at all. There are certainly times where we close our eyes and we bow our heads. I'm not suggesting that Form is inherently always bad. 
There's nothing wrong with that. Jesus knelt and prayed as we looked at last week. I'm saying that we don't reduce it to the form. There's more going on as it relates to a relationship. And I think the fact that Paul can tell Christians to pray continually ought to suggest that that's the case. Here's the third thing. So we've seen two. Praying continually reminds us to depend upon our Heavenly Father. Number two, praying continually demonstrates that prayer is not about religious formality. And then three, praying continually encourages us to live with our eyes open to the needs around us. Let me say that again. Praying continually encourages us to live with our eyes open to the needs around us. Now, the idea of praying continually can seem daunting, not only if we define it as the formality that we talked about earlier, but if, if we have our eyes closed to the needs of those around us or the needs of those in our community. And what I mean by that is if you were trying to come up with things to pray about in your life, it's possible that you might get to a point where you're like, wow, I've kind of exhausted everything that I can think of. So how do I pray continually without following into this pattern that Jesus said of vain repetition and babbling where it seems like people are just praying thinking that because of the number of words that they use, they're going to be heard. There is a form of vain repetition. So how, how do we, what is the fuel? What are the things that we are continually praying for? One of the things I think we do here is we ask the Lord to search us. Search me and know me and see if there be any wicked way within me and lead me in the path of righteousness. So we have to ask the Lord to expose the things in my life that, I'm, that are hidden. But a second thing that I think we need to do is if we live with our eyes open to the world around us, and instead of fixating upon those things, we begin to take those things that disturb us and concern us and turn those into requests, we will never lack things to pray for. So here's what I mean by that. You go home today, and you're on your phone watching the golf tournament or something that's on. I don't know. I watch golf on Sunday afternoons. It's especially what I'm going to be doing next Sunday afternoon is that's Master Sunday. It's Easter, okay? But after we have our glorious Easter service that morning, the afternoon, we're, you get to watch the Masters. It's a, it's a great weekend. Um, but you know, you're sitting there, you're scrolling through your phone, you're on Facebook, and you see something that disturbs you. My gosh, I just, you hear news, you hear a report about somebody who's sick. And then you have uh, Instagram, you're scrolling through that. Or you're watching the news, and there's more, no, more issues with um, global conflict. Something's going on with China and North Korea, and, 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 and all these things begin to weigh you down. Instead of turning these things into sources and objects of worry, Take them and turn them into request of prayer before the Lord. Live with your eyes open, and you will find things to continue to pray about. You say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't do Facebook. I don't do the news. It's, it's all depressing. I just kind of like walking around my neighborhood. Okay, it's a great time of the season to do that. How about while you're walking through your neighborhood, 
you walk up to a yard and you see that there's a tricycle out in the yard. Now this is, this, we're just kind of looking at it going, okay, maybe that's a grandparent, maybe that's a, a parent. That family has children in it. I'm going to pray for those children. Or you see someone and they are driving crazily on the road. Lord, I don't know what's going on that's causing them to drive in that way, but Lord, I pray that you'd have mercy upon them, you'd restrain them, and that you would, you would help them to get there safe. Or, and this is something I saw my wife's family model, and she taught me growing up um, when we were dating, is anytime that they would see an ambulance on the road, they would pray in that moment for what was ever, whatever was going on. You see, you see how if you, if you live with your eyes opened to needs, you're never going to run out of things to be continually praying for. If you're in tune to what's going on in the world around you, if you just listen and watch with enough intentionality, you will find your prayer list will keep you occupied for day in and day out. We have a prayer list here at our church of of people that continually need prayer. So one of the things that we see is that if we're going to pray continually, bringing our requests before the Lord, communing in Him, some of the fuel for that is going to be found in us living with our eyes open to the world, not eyes that are full of gloom and doom, but eyes and hearts that are full of hope that the God that I'm appealing to is powerful enough to show up in any circumstance that I'm praying about and change things in an instant. One of the things that Jed mentioned in his book in the last few days, and I think it's so important for us to recognize, and I I want you to hear this over your life, and I want you to hear it over the concerns that you are bringing to the Lord in prayer. God is able to do in an instant more than you can do in a lifetime. that That is the type of thought that ought to humble us and drive us to prayer. Imagine, you could live a hundred years, and for all a hundred years of that, be incredibly effective, incredibly productive. You, You could be just the greatest person, and you could not accomplish what God could accomplish in an instant. So why do we neglect Him so? in asking him to show up and move? Why do we put so much faith in our own strength, in our own competence, in our own wisdom, in our own power? Pride. I can do it on my own, and if I do it on my own, I get the glory. What if our prayers were aimed at bringing glory to God? We said, we don't care who gets the credit for it as long as you are magnified and you're glorified. Praying continually encourages us to live with our eyes open to the needs around us. Fourthly, and finally, praying continually reminds us of the importance of persevering in prayer. Praying continually reminds us of the importance of persevering in prayer. In other words, this command reminds us to not give up 
in prayer. To continue. To not make God have to work on our timeline, but upon his timeline. One of the best examples of this is found in Luke chapter 18. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 8. At this idea of praying continually and how it reminds us of the importance of persevering in prayer. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So, I mean, this sounds, this sounds like this is the material that Paul is drawing upon in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, thinking back about Jesus' teaching in this parable. Should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. She was fiery apparently. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and I will not bring about justice for his chosen one who cry out to him day and night. He will, will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now, Let me correct the misunderstanding that could come from this. What someone could potentially read this as saying is, is, oh, God's like the unjust judge in the story, and we're like the widow that annoys him and says we're going to attack him if he doesn't grant what we want. That is not what the parable is teaching. This is what we call an argument from the lesser to the greater using imagery in the parables. So the example of the lesser is the wicked judge who has no fear of God in his eyes, okay? So you have this unjust judge who has no fear for God in his eyes, and then you have this widow who is essentially powerless, right? She has no real claim to any type of reason why she should be heard, but she is persistent. And essentially, the idea of beatdown or attack is that I am going to wear him down. And Jesus says, look at that example where you have an unjust judge and a powerless woman that's been oppressed by society because she's a widow. And in that situation, persistence pays off and the unjust, ungodly judge gives her justice. That's the lesser example here. You can then interpret Jesus here as saying, if that's the case, then how much more will your righteous judge 
who is your father take care of his children that pray to him? If an unrighteous, unjust judge will listen to a powerful widow, what will the holy, righteous God judge, who's also your father, do for his children? Therefore, pray always and do not give up. Your father in heaven hears you and he will answer you. Pray continually. Pray without ceasing. Persevere in asking. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open unto you. Don't give up in your prayers. You don't know how far gone my child is. Don't give up praying for them. You don't know how sick I am. Don't give up praying. I don't know what I'm going to do about my job. Don't quit praying. I have a loved one that that hates the things of God and never wants to hear the gospel. And in fact, was hurt by the church at one point. And they don't ever want to hear it. Don't give up praying. Am I, did I just promise you that in every one of those situations, God is going to do exactly what you asked him to do? I did not. That is not a promise anywhere in Scripture. We commit our will to his will, knowing that in his will, he always does what's good, just, and right. And as Tim Keller would say, if we knew everything that God knows, we would understand why he lets things happen the way he does. But we don't. So we step into faith and trust him to do with what we have asked him to do, what's good and right. Yet, we continue to bring our requests before the Lord. We ask him, we beg him, we pray, we entreat to him, continually trusting him, knowing that the God of all the earth will do right. And how often does he answer those prayers? It's one of, my, one of my favorite things this past two weeks. He's been hearing about specific things that God is doing in the life of people at Copperfield. Things that seemed little to huge things. God answering the prayers of his people. So I would encourage you as we depart in a few moments, continue steadfast in prayer. Don't give up after a week or three weeks or three years. Continue to persevere in this effort to call upon the name of the Lord. He hears his children. And will not God bring justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? We can trust him with our prayers. You say, but what do I do on days where I just don't feel like I I can pray? I don't feel worthy enough to pray. Here's how I want to close. I want us to see that praying continually is a privilege that we have as believers in Christ. We have been granted access. We've been brought near to God according to 1 Peter 3.18. Through Jesus, which gives us even more reason to remain steadfast and hopeful in ceaseless prayer. 
Your ability to approach God with your request is not based upon how well you've done that day. Please hear that. Because I think one of the main reasons why we don't pray is because we don't feel like we're worthy to walk into his presence and pray. When you feel like my worthiness to approach God is based upon how I performed and not what he has provided in Christ, it's an offense to Jesus. Imagine being invited to a banquet feast. And it's being hosted by the greatest king the world has ever known. And you get to the door. And they're, they're taking tickets. And as you're walking to the door, the king himself gives you a ticket. And then you get to the door. And the person guarding the door goes, oh, I see you already have a ticket. That's a special ticket. That's a ticket that the king himself gave you. Come on in. And you say, no, 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 no. I insist on paying for it myself. Does that honor the king? All right, feedback. Does that honor the king? No. Because it was a gift. Same thing that we're doing whenever we come before God in prayer and we do not cling to what he has provided for us in Jesus Christ. When we say it's dependent upon me and what I've done and how I've behaved and I'm going to earn my, pre- I'm going to earn my right into his presence. I'm paying for it myself. That dishonors the gift that's been freely given to all that received him. Walk into his presence wearing a righteousness not coming from law, but it's given to you by Jesus Christ by faith. Put your trust and hope in him and come boldly into the presence of God because of what Jesus has done. Don't dishonor the gift. Celebrate the gift. Show the gift off. Tell all your friends that don't have it yet. You can get this gift. It's free to anyone that asks. And you could come into the banquet feast with me. So let's pray and ask the Lord to move in this, our church. Father, we we thank you that you encourage us to pray, Lord, continually, that you, you never wear out or weary. And you are righteous and good, and you encourage us, Lord to continue to call upon your name in prayer. Lord, but we know this is because of what Jesus Christ has done. We know that it is because of his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Lord, that we have received this gift of salvation that grants us admission into your great banquet feast, the celebration of your presence. Lord, I would pray that if there's anyone here today that has not received that gift in Christ today, that right now where they are at, where they're seated, they would say, I want that gift. I want to be able to enter into the king's banquet, to the king's celebration. And I know I don't have the money to pay for it, but I hear that it's free if you ask for it. Lord, I pray that those that are there, that are here this morning that have not yet asked 
for admission into that banquet feast of your salvation, that this morning they would call upon the name of Jesus, that they would pray right where they're at, Lord, have mercy upon me. Save me. Forgive me. Welcome me into your presence. If that's you this morning, you were longing to know that you were forgiven and you were one of God's people, you were his chosen, his children, that he always hears, just right where you're at, I would invite you to pray and say, God, I know that I need you. Please forgive me and save me. Have mercy upon me and give me eternal life. If you've prayed that prayer this morning, in a few moments, we're going to be closing out with worship and song and a time of prayer. I would encourage you just to, to take a step of faith and, and, and come to meet one of the counselors, one of the prayer leaders that's around the room, and, and ask them just to help you take the, take the next step in praying and following the Lord in obedience as a disciple. We would love to walk you through that. Prayer leaders, if you want to go ahead and make your way forward as I close this in prayer. Maybe you're here today and you have a great prayer need. And you have been continually bringing it before the Lord. Or you don't even know where to begin. And you just need someone to pray with you. Someone that can join in with your ceaseless prayer. Not only are these prayer leaders here to help people follow Jesus, but they're here to help you pray and unburden yourself to them. They would love to pray for you, not only today, but in the days ahead. Lord, would you stir us to be this prayerful people that seek you, continually recognize our need. Do this to the praise of your name, and the good of your people. As you reflect on the message this week, feel free to reach out to our staff by emailing care at copperfieldchurch.com. We would love to hear from you and pray for you. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and our other podcast, Equip for Good. Thanks for listening.